Hey, what's up, everyone? Today we talk to Neen James about elevated brand experience and luxury brands. All that and more. Check it out. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal branding coach. And today is an interview show. We are talking to Neen James, all about luxury branding. Neen James is an executive strategist. She's also an author and a keynote speaker and a trusted confidant to CEOs for legacy and luxury brands across a variety of industries for over 20 years now. Nina's helped design strategic plans for Fortune 500 companies. She's facilitated retreats and worked with executives and their teams sharing insights and strategies. Also, business leaders have her on speed dial to bounce ideas off of her, to engage with her in the ideation process and to teach systems based strategies that have resulted in little Ninisms that they've been adopting across organizations. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen today. Nina's a boundless ball of energy. She's quick-witted. She's a little tiny force of nature as she describes herself. And she's been named as one of the top 30 leadership speakers by Global Guru several years in a row because of her work with companies like Viacom, Comcast, and Virtuosa Travel, amongst others. And anything you want to learn more about her, you can go to neanjames.com. We also talk a lot about this study she put together called Mapping the Luxury Mindset. You can capture that at luxuryisamindset.com. Lots that we're going to download today, lots that we're going to dive into in terms of the mindset of luxury brands, of elevated brands, even of how to sell high ticket as a personal brand or coach or consultant. So lots to talk about today. Hope you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today to the show, Neen James. First off, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Oh, g'day. What a treat it is to serve your listeners and to get to hang out with you. It's my privilege. Absolutely. And if you're hearing an accent, that's because (laughs) our friend here is from, is it Australia? It is very good. Sydney, Australia. You're right. I know if I said, if I said uh, the other place, then I would be in trouble. So I didn't do that. (laughs) Don't mix up accents. Think about the relationship between like Australia and New Zealand is similar to what Americans and Canadians have. Right. So it's like, we love each other, but we like to have our own identity. Exactly. No, absolutely. The reason that I'm so excited to talk to you today, other than your very, like, I don't know how to put it, but just your extroverted personality that just brings so much energy to the table, makes you happy just watching and listening. So I hope they're already smiling over there. But <laughs> the, the reason I'm excited to have you on the show is today we get to talk about something that honestly, we don't get to talk about a lot on the show, which is this idea of like an elevated brand experience, legacy brands, luxury brands. We don't talk about that stuff a lot here. And that's that's my fault, but it's, I think it's because I don't get to meet people like you every day. So maybe we can start there, set the stage a little bit. What to you is luxury and why does it matter? 
You know, it's such a fascinating word because I think luxury can really divide people. Some people think it's extravagant and expensive and other people think, oh, it's every day. And I fall in the everyday camp. And I think luxury as a word gets a little bit of a bad rap. But I think, Brandon, that luxury could mean very different things to people. I've always believed luxury is a mindset. And when you think about that, luxury could mean very different things to different people. And I was so fascinated with this idea that I then commissioned a research study in it. But to people listening along, I wonder what their instant word is that comes to mind when they think luxury, right? A lot of people might say expensive. But what we determine in this research is really luxury is high quality, it is long lasting, it's exclusive. And there's other words like indulgent, which come into it as well. But at the end of the day, luxury is truly about quality. And it could be quality time, it could be quality connection, it could be quality of fabrics in something. So I think we have to look at luxury just a little bit different. And that's where I want to change the conversation. Luxury is a mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head. It's probably the first thing I was thinking is like, man, that word itself, it's so many reactions and mm -hmm. like everything from playful to judgy, to scary, to expensive, all those things. I mean, myself, I was like, oh, she fancy, huh? Like that's the, that's the statement that comes to mind for me. Yeah. And happy to be, I'm very happy for people to call me like a brand brand or fancy. Sure. However, luxury doesn't have to be those things. And that's where I think we have to shift our thinking. Think about, honey, do you remember bazillions of years ago, we used to use the word influence in a very different way than we use the word influence now. So whether you consider yourself an influencer or not, even that word has kind of got a bad rap because it's got the extremes of it. But when it first came out, we thought it was such a cool thing to call people. Luxury is not going to go out of date. And what we have to think about is luxury will elevate. It'll elevate the article you're writing, the coaching session you're doing, the work environment you're creating in. Luxury can be brought into everything. Yeah, so what I like about that is it's now a tool, right? It's like, okay, how do we use this mindset? How do we use this imagery to elevate our brand, to be something that is right for our customers? Right. So if I'm thinking about the benefits of understanding luxury mindsets, maybe you can take me through that a little bit. Absolutely. So I had mentioned that I thought luxury was, is a mindset and I've, thought that we just deserve luxury every day. So I went to the Brilliant Audience Audit, which is a fabulous research firm. And I said to them, so I think luxury is mindset. So can you just make sure that I'm right? And Susan, who owns Audience Audit, was like, well, Neen, that's not the way that research works. And some of you who are listening are laughing out loud right now. But she said, let me just go find out what I can. And so she interviewed 440 leaders. And what was interesting was I was more interested in what people think about luxury, not what they feel about luxury. Too often we talk about the feelings and yet we know thoughts create feelings. So I wanted to know what do they think about luxury. And so I thought there was one luxury mindset, but Brandon, I was wrong. There's not one, there's four. And so as you're listening along, what you may want to think about is, let's talk about the first group. And this is what some of you might be as you're listening, this might be you. What we discovered is the first group is who we call the reluctant and removed. To them, luxury is hard. They don't think brands understand them. They're so busy, overwhelmed. Luxury is not a priority because they've got a thousand things on their plate. Now, it doesn't mean they won't buy luxury. 
doesn't mean they can't be influenced by luxury, but what it means is it's not their top priority. And fascinatingly, they were about 28% of the people that we surveyed. And so if you are thinking about this as a client, this reluctant and removed person who might be a client you're working with, you've got to also think about how do I speak the luxury language that will get their attention and be able to keep it. So the first one people want to think about is the person who's reluctant and removed. And Brandon, they say luxury is just hard. That's the first person. The second mindset that was interesting is I think many of your listeners might fall into this category. And this is the person we call the pro-prioritizer. Pro-prioritizer meaning they're professional. They think about their career. So to them, luxury is power. They use luxury to advance their career. It could be in the clothes they wear, the items they carry, but they're looking at uh, luxury as giving them just that little bit of extra confidence. And they're going to invest in brands that are long lasting, reliable, and especially brands that will mention sustainability and how they impact society. So they're a very thoughtful purchaser when it comes to luxury, but to them, luxury is power. You had the fabulous Thames and Webster on your episode recently and loved that episode. People should go back and listen to that. I think it was 254. But Tamsin is my perfect pro-prioritizer because she dresses in beautiful DVF dresses that are going to last forever. She always looks the part. Her personal brand is always there, but she's doing it for her career, if that makes sense. So that's my second one. So the pro-prioritizer. To them, luxury is power. The third is, the third mindset, the archetype is the confident and content. Now this person, Brandon, they're like, I'm good. I've got this. My personal life's good. My professional life's good. I don't need luxury. I can enjoy luxury. But what they use luxury for is creating memories. So it's not that they won't spend. They absolutely will. But they feel like they need it. And they're an interesting group to study. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, huh, that's me, what I've noticed about working more and more with this particular mindset is that you want to be able to appeal to them around what they're doing is going to create this legacy and these moments and these memories. So that's something just to think about if you're talking to this particular person. And then we have our fourth luxury mindset. This is the one we call the luxury lover. This is the person, Brandon, who says, I am worth it. Not only am I worth it, I want to tell all my friends about it. I want to share luxury every day. These are your brand advocates. These are the people, if they love what you're doing, they will tell everyone about it. They believe people should have more of it in their lives. Now, what this person is looking for, Brandon, is very much exclusive, behind the scenes, things that no one else can have right? And this is me hands down, like just in case you're wondering, this is 100% me. Now, your luxury lover, you can tell a luxury lover that you're working with as a client, chances are they enjoy designer items, they will talk about this experience they had that where the chef came out of the restaurant and just spoke to them, or they got a behind the scenes tour at the hotel or whatever it is. But what you want to think about with this person is because they believe that they're worth it, they also believe others are worth it too. So they're going to want to share the message. They are the people who will talk about you on social media and write the testimonial. They are the people who will refer business to you. So as you're listening to all these four archetypes, these four luxury mindsets, you know that you work with all these people. You have all of them in your clientele. And for those of you who have teams, you have them in your teams. And if you're privileged to share your life with someone, 
They may not be the same as you. And so we have to understand this is not just a personal brand, marketing and content creation tool, but a communications tool. Because in order for you to really attract the luxury mindset you want, you have to speak the luxury language that they will listen to. Yeah. What I really like about that is what you said is that we, these are customers of all, like we have all of these people as customers, oh, yeah. not just, I don't just have the luxury lovers. And I think that's true. Cause I think a lot of us might assume if they listen back that maybe the reluctant and removed aren't for them, especially if they're some selling something that's a little higher priced or a, you know, premium product or a high ticket item. They might say, this person is not for me, but I imagine that for that person, if someone's reluctant to remove you, what I like is you said it's hard. It's hard. It's not that they don't want it or that they have a... No, but they feel guilty if they purchase it, right? So the reluctant to remove still doesn't take a luxury vacation. They're still going to tell anyone about it. They're still going to... They're going to own a designer bag, but they've probably been influenced by the pro prioritizer or the luxury lover to buy the bag. So what you want to think about is this client needs you, but what you need to prove to them is whatever you're offering will save them time, will make them less overwhelmed, will help them have more control. So part of the reason that they don't prioritize it, well, they do feel guilty about spending that. And the other thing about this buyer that people need to understand is if you're selling to the reluctant and the move, they take a lot longer to make a buying decision of anything over $500. A luxury lover, once they make up their mind, they're just going to, no one can really talk them out of it. So it's almost like price. It's not that it's irrelevant, but they've already decided. So what's the point? So I want you just to think about you have not only all four, but for some particular businesses, verticals for product offerings that you have you might be exactly what this person needs you just have to speak their language yeah well i i think that my, my wife and i joke that that she's the engine and i'm the anchor right <laughs> so like when she's out there saying i know this is what i want let's go get it let's go and i'm, I'm like well, maybe we should can like let's look at the different options and measure it we out want to do the research let's read the reviews is that you yeah absolutely the analytic right and what ends up happening is we end up where she started to begin with but now i have proof and i you know i had all the reasons that i needed but then that also makes you feel more reassured you're making an informed decision and, and this is the about each of these luxury mindsets what's not better than the other they're simply different but what you have to also appreciate is whatever you're offering out into the world is ensure that everything is in line with the things that you want to attract that mindset. So what in our consulting process, we teach this three-step process. And the first part of that is to assess the mindset you want to attract. Know that you have all of them, but what do you want to attract? And the second step to that is to align message. That's your collaterals, your website, your business card, your handwritten notes, your email signature, your voicemail, every opportunity of touch point needs to be put through the filter of, is this the mindset that I'm trying to attract? Because you know that you might have a high priced item, but you better look like you're worth it. If you're going to charge that kind of money and you better have the social proof and the credibility and the client testimonials, if you're a thought leader, to be able to justify that. So that's the other thing you want to think about. So once you've done that, you've assessed the mindset and you've aligned your messages, that's when you can activate the master plan of how do I get these people and work with them more? Because some of them will refer others. Pro prioritizers will also advocate for you. Luxury lovers will be a big mouthpiece for you. So they're two people who will easily share what you've done for them with others. The pro prioritizer more so if it's helped their career advance. 
Right. Well, and I, I see this so many times when people are developing their, you know, even their like sales pages, things like that. They're, well, we need to make sure we have testimonials in there for the people who are reluctant and they want to believe that this thing is true. We want to have some benefits and the things listed out there for the people who just want to make sure that this is giving them the power that they're looking for, maybe the prioritizers. And we want it to make it to look fun and like that it's going to, elevate the thing that they want to, you know, whatever it is. So all of these, I think, can hit based on how you're writing your marketing messaging. And I would also say, I think some of us maybe transition, either we, for certain things, are luxury lovers and for other things are reluctant or, or that we transition. And look, years and years ago, some of your listeners might know the legendary Michael Barber, who, you know, is phenomenal in uh, email marketing and marketing in general. But I remember so many years ago sitting in, I think we we're in Canada somewhere at an event. And I, my website was not how it looks now. I had just launched uh, Attention Pays, which is a red cover book. And he leaned over, we're sitting on a couch and he said, um, do you think that your website really represents who you are? Now, he's one of my dearest friends. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And he said, well, you're luxury and you're all these things. But if you look at your collaterals, is that color palette really who you are? And so then I was like, it challenged me so much. Then I reached out to Gift Designs, who I love, and they did a whole makeover for me. It felt authentic. But sometimes the simplicity, Brandon, of just the color palette and just the imagery can also affect the person. This is one of my dearest friends who I trust implicitly, but we don't all have the, the luxury of having Michael Barbers in our life. So we have to be able to put the filter on ourselves and say, does this truly represent who I am in the world? And if not, there are people who can help you get there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Having those people helping you out is, is super key. The mindset piece of this is also super interesting to me. I love the little statements that help you kind of describe this in more of a, I think, more human way. The Especially when you, instead of calling them luxury lovers, it's they think I'm worth it. Right. What a thing to aspire to. <laughs> right. And this is a mission that I'm personally on. If you ever see, if you watch some of the themes through my social one of the things I'm trying to emphasize is that you are worth it. You're worth spending a little longer in a meditation or drinking out of the fine china in the morning when you have your coffee or using a linen napkin instead of a paper one if that elevates your lunch for you because you are worth it. And that's the thing, you know, we save up these things for a rainy day or a special occasion or whatever reason when in actual fact, you're worth it today to make that investment. You are worth that investment in that conference, you're worth all of those things you've been putting off. And so you're absolutely right. I want to, I guess one of my hidden agendas is to help people understand just how much they are worth it and that they need to, they give all this attention to everyone else, but imagine if they just gave a little bit of that self-care and attention to themselves, how they might show up in a more powerful way. I think it gives us hope because we can move along the spectrum and say, you know, I used to be a, this is hard kind of guy, but I've moved towards the, I've got this, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty happy with this stuff. Or for a couple of these things, I am worth it. Maybe I do want to hire a coach to get me somewhere faster versus yes. bootstrapping something by myself. I think that there is some empowerment in shifting through these, these different mindsets. Yeah, 100%. Aaron King and I were talking about this on her success podcast, the exact same conversation. And if you think about coaching as such a phenomenal example, and it is an investment, 
for sure. But it's going to accelerate it for you so much better and quicker so that you can then turn around and then use the skills or the gifts you have in the world to be able to help other people. I am 100% in favor of paying for coaching to accelerate anything, personal training for workouts, like any kind of learning opportunities, personal coaching, executive coaching. And I think that if if you're a coach and you're listening to this, you also want to think about who are the clients you really resonate with? Who are the people you love spending time with? Because you're going to show up differently too when you stand in service of those particular clients. I work a lot in luxury and legacy brands and I love luxury. It makes sense to be in beautiful hotels and gorgeous vacations because that's something that I really appreciate, but I also study it for how are they paying attention differently? What is it that they're doing to elevate the meal, the experience, whatever it is, that's what we can all pay attention to is what other brands are doing that resonates with us. And then think about, well, how do I incorporate that in my thought leadership practice, my coaching practice, in my book that I'm writing? Well, I think you bring up a good a good point, which is maybe a nice point to, to shift to this, which is if we're thinking about how to execute some of these things, what are some easy tactics to create more elevated brand experiences, some things to get maybe get us started? You know, an easy way to do it is first mystery shop something that you've experienced or that you love. And so if you mystery shopping just being the concept of going in and having a look as if it was the first time you've ever experienced it. And so when you think about uh, it could be that instead of going to your normal coffee shop to get whatever beverage you enjoy, you might go to the fanciest hotel that's in your city and then go have a coffee in their lobby. It'll cost you three times as much, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to watch how you're greeted, how things are cleaned, how things are set up, the lack of clutter. You're going to notice so many things that you can then translate and think, well, is that the experience that I want to create? So what you can do is you can mystery shop when you're out for a meal, have a look at all the different ways that people have taken care of you, that experience. How did you feel about that? What did you notice? In the same way, you can look at what other thought leaders are doing, their websites, their collateral, their the way that they position themselves on stage if you're a speaker listening to this. So mystery shopping would be an easy way to do it and just really approach things with this awe and wonder and curiosity about what are people doing that resonates with you, okay? It doesn't have to be expensive. It's about experience. The second thing that I would think that would be really helpful for people is to get very clear on the kind of client that you love to serve. Once you know what who you love to serve, what do they read, where do they go, all of the things you're already researching, but then get actual samples of that to see, am I aligned with this? Because I work so much in luxury travel and hospitality, I read all of those magazines. I subscribe to those journals. I'm constantly immersing myself in the content to see what is really important to them. That's an easy way to do it, right? So there's so many easy ways to do research, mystery shopping, experiences, reading what they're reading, seeing what they're seeing. But I think if you want to elevate something, ask someone you trust, like my Michael Barber, like just ask someone who you really do value their opinion and say, if you were looking at this for the first time, tell me what words come to mind. How would you describe this? And very quickly, you'll get that opinion of someone you respect. Doesn't mean you listen to everyone's feedback, by the way. Just look for people that you respect. Does that help answer your question? It does. It does. It actually, I, I get a lot of examples that come to my head. And I think when you mentioned that, that we should 
a mystery shop or, you know, be pick, pick brands that we, you know, look at how they are treating their customers and what do you like and not like. I, I immediately think of Apple as a story I tell all the time to people where they used to sell cell phones, not just Apple, but any cell phone. You'd have to go into these cell phone stores that were these, you know, mini marts inside of a, you know, a parking area. And it was not a luxury experience at all. You know, you it felt like you were had to go through metal detectors to get in there to buy a cell phone. <laughs> and then Apple comes out with these beautiful Apple stores that are all glass and they're like museums to walk into. And they're not customer service people. They're Apple geniuses with the genius bar at the back. Like everything about it, even how you unpackage and unbox yes. is absolutely how I'd like to be treated as a customer, especially if I'm spending a little bit more on the product than something else. And think about if you've ever shopped at Louis Vuitton or at Nordstrom, they don't hand the bag to you of purchase across the counter. They walk around the counter and they hand it to you. Now, at Louis Vuitton, they walk you to the front door with the purchase, then they hand it to you. So understand that that costs them nothing, but it's a system they put in place to show how valuable it is. If you think about the old concept of white glove services, where people would literally put on white gloves, you want to think about if that's the kind of experience you're trying to create to elevate for people, what's your version of that? It also means eliminating pain points. What Apple was smart in doing is they eliminated the pain points of feeling like you're walking through a metal detector and you're some sort of criminal before you purchase a thousand dollar phone. But when I stay at hotels, this is the reason I think they're so fascinating is I'm always noticing, like, for example, if the, if valet, not only is valet going to bring your car, but they've already got my bag in the car. Like that is a level of service that's remarkable to me that, you know, so you want to think about what are the pain points of the clients that you have that could be paperwork. It could be signing documents. What are the things that really frustrate them that are off brand for you? Because those things you want to ask your clients about. And if you have a really great client, say you maybe half a dozen clients you love and they're really great, just say to them, what are some things I could enhance that would elevate your experience with me? We've been, you know, you've been, we've been together for a long time now. What would you think? It could be the invoices you send. I mean, even my invoices, not only have they got pink on them, but they'll always have a cheeky little note on them as well. So think about how you can personalize every touch point that you have, but also think about removing the pain points because luxury is also about anticipating because some Sometimes with luxury, you know you're experiencing it, but you can't always put your finger on what it is. And often they've thought through every element of elevation. I like that. You, you know, there's a couple of examples in there that it could be personalization. It, it could be that they took the extra step to think about something that you didn't think about in terms of a pain point. Mm -hmm. I like all of that, especially if people who are providing services, we are human businesses to start with. And I think as we try to scale or we try to emulate someone who's already kind of built their brand, we start to say, how do I digitize this? And we're chasing that instead of, I think, this luxury experience or enhanced experience when a lot, when you're building your business, that might be the difference, that extra time you take. Yeah, we call it systemized thoughtfulness. So in one of the books that I wrote, Attention Pays, we have this whole concept of systemized thoughtfulness, putting systems in place to be thoughtful. Think about the simplicity you all can control as you're listening to that. And that's your out of office message. My out of office changes almost daily. And if you and I have connected, Brandon, over email, you've probably got all kinds of versions of out of office messages. I literally have clients who know I'm on vacation and they still send me a message 
just to see what it says because it's often a little cheeky it's always really fun but people even my ps in my emails sometimes is ps i'm heading to paris i'm so excited like literally not because i'm bragging but because i'm talking about the kind of clientele that i'm working with who want to know about some of the things we're doing overseas so what i want you to think about is the voicemail you have the email signature you have the out of office message you have social media posts these are digital but be the human be fun I was just coaching one of my insurance clients before our podcast today and they are in a process of doing some content marketing and I said how about you use the human voice not the big professional voice and so we were talking about this being wildly interesting I said don't you think that's more fun than just interesting so we have to be clever with yes you can absolutely systemize things but please sound like a human, especially now. People are more cautious now because they're wondering, did you write it or did a robot write it? They don't know. Right. What's nice is you do put some personal elements into it. I, you know, I'll tell you how many emails I got, the number zero, how many emails I got that started with good day, gorgeous, <laughs> which is only a mean email. <laughs> yes. And what's funny is when clients are together, they're like, oh, wait, I thought you just called me gorgeous. I'm like, oops, sprung. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> yeah, but I think those levels of of attention help. And I think the more we can build in experiences, especially when, if we are not the number one in our industry yet, and we're aiming for that. When I was thinking about podcasting, I'm like, okay, I help people start podcasts as part of my business. But there's the John Lee Dumases of the world. There's the Pat Flynn's of the world. They don't have the time to help people one-on-one -on -one like I have the time right now. Right. So that could be part of the experience that they can't deliver. But yeah, but I remember when John started a gazillion years ago, right? So John was still doing everything like we are. So I think I love the aspirational piece, Brandon, but I also love that I think when you look at the luxury mindsets that I was sharing earlier in our time together, there are some mindsets who are going to be attracted to who is not that big name or that, you know, who's next, because what they know is they're going to get that extra elevated level of service and it's going to be the person. So if you are the principal in your practice, let people know that. But if you are fortunate to have a team around you who supports you in doing what you're doing, whether it's podcasting, authorship, coaching, keynote speaking, introduce the additional team members so they can form a relationship with them outside of you being the principal. So my Sue is the sales goddess in our team and my clients love Sue and Sue sometimes talks to them sometimes before I even get a chance to, but she's an extension of the brand and everything that we do, but she's so uniquely Sue and she's authentically her, but she still understands the compliment of the luxury message we're giving. So think about this as you're building your practices or you're building your thought leadership platforms is if you're going to, if it's going to be beyond you, let people know who that is so that they also can form a relationship with that person. So I'm curious how you've been doing that, how you, as you've brought on team members, how, as you've built systems and automations, how are you thinking about bringing your authentic experience across these different levels at scale? We have what we call the luxury manifesto, which is everything that I represent and I stand for because it's still my name on the door. And by the way, I only have, I have a delightfully tiny team to use the lovely Jenny Blake's language from free time. And so it's a very small team, but we meet every single week 
everyone's very clear. They have insights into my complete calendar, into my clients, into my numbers. We do a retreat once a year with Pam Slim, our coach. Like everyone is fully immersed in what the luxury manifesto represents, which also means that emails that are sent, voicemails that are left, invoices that are shared, all of this has to be on brand. And so I have empowered them to make those decisions as well. And then if something goes wrong, I will absolutely stand in service of that and say, oops, I made a mistake. Like I will own that 100%. But I think what it's about, Brandon, is you still have to be the quality control. It's still your brand that's out in the market, right? And so sometimes I might also help write an email, but it might come from one of my team, right? Or when I'm connecting my clients to my team members, I'll say, this is Sue, she's our sales goddess. Oh my God, people love her. She's so fun. You guys are going to connect before we get a chance because I'm on the road this week. And so I'm setting her up for success as well. And then the client feels like they've been taken care of because literally as a keynote speaker, when I'm on stage, I'm not checking my email. And so I think we have to have a responsiveness to what we do as well. And so that's a choice we've made in our business that if someone does email us, we are very quick to respond. If someone sends a lead through our website, we're very quick to respond, but we have systems to allow that to happen, right? But there's, we've templatized as much as humanly possible, I think. Jen is our operations goddess and she makes sure if something has to be done more than once, that there has to be a system behind it. It's got to be documented in the operations manual. I mean, she's great like that. And so think about that, even if you're a one-person show, it was just me and I was still creating operations manuals and marketing guidelines and brand guidelines and all those crazy things we all need. Sometimes your name is in every single box of your org chart until you have the luxury of getting additional people to help you. But it is definitely an investment that's worthwhile. Absolutely. And I want to continue to dive into how you're implementing some of this yourself. But first, if people are curious, what were those luxury mindset things again it's okay. We have for you, you can go to the website, luxuryisamindset.com to check out how the whole mapping the luxury mindset top to bottom, where you'll see the reluctant and removed, the luxury lovers, the pro prioritizers, the confident and content. You'll find all of that, the research, as well as her luxury language dictionary download to understand all of that, plus some webinars and some all the stuff. If you guys are completely enthralled with this idea, it's all there. Uh, luxuriesofmindset.com. Check that out before we move on. And also neenjames.com if you are interested in seeing Neen do what she does so well on stages, consulting, things like that. So I wanted to throw that out there and then dive into a little bit about how this has been actually implemented in your life personally. Because if you've ever seen Neen speak on stage, you'll she's very noticeable. You're going to see the bright colors, the shoes, everything. Tell us like what is the brand of Neen right now? What are we going to expect if we find you out there in the wild? You will always see me in hot pink. It's become a uniform. And I've always loved pink. It's always been something I've worn, but it became part of the brand. Meaning that if I went to a client site and I didn't have pink on, people would be like, oh, okay, like what's happening today? So it's ridiculous, right? So pink is definite. It's my business colors. It is in my collaterals. It's my business card color. It's the envelope from the thank you note. So we've chosen a particular Pantone and it is permeated with everything, which with Barbie being a popular movie at the time of recording, there's hot pink everywhere in store. So I'm buying up like a crazy person. So because then it'll change, right? But Pink is a deliberate thing, you'll always, including when I'm working out, including my travel outfit, which means I'm always on brand. 
The other thing to think about when it comes to like your brand is maybe color works for you, maybe it doesn't. The shoes is a funny thing, Brandon, because I've always been a shoe lover. And so I would have the most fabulous shoes. And I would even like in the old days, I used to run through the airport in stilettos, not too much anymore. Thank goodness that sneakers became a very popular option and they became very trendy. And so sometimes you'll see me in those on stage now. But one of the things that happened was years ago, people started photographing my shoes and tweeting about my shoes and sharing. And that became part of the brand, not intentionally. And I think sometimes that can happen as thought leaders too. You might just do something all the time. People notice, they talk about it, and then it becomes part of your brand. I've always been a champagne drinker ever since it was legal to drink. And I've always loved champagne. And in Australia, everybody drinks champagne. When I moved to America and people would order their drinks, they'd say they wanted a beer or wine, and I'd say champagne. And people say, well, what are you celebrating? And I'd be like, um, life. I don't know. It's my drink. It's always been my drink, but that also became a part of my brand. And so what you want to think about is people are always noticing. They're paying attention to things that sometimes it could be just something that's intuitive to you. It could be something you love. And yet it can become part of the brand. I'll never forget one Christmas. I got 16 pink scarves from different clients, just random. And I lived on the East Coast. It was so thoughtful, but we counted them and giggled that that was so sweet because every note said some version of, I saw this and I thought of you. So my question to the listeners is when people see things, do they think of you? What is it about you that they connect with? I literally have audiences walk up to me and say, look, I wore pink today because I knew you were going to be here. It's hilarious to me. Or they'll send me pink outfits they're wearing randomly and text them and say, I'm wearing this thinking of you. So never underestimate how you make people feel when you're around them. And that then extends the brand and the memory. I am very high energy. I am like this from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. But that is something that is a choice. And so that's part of my brand as well. I get paid to bring energy on stage. So all the meeting planners call me the energizer bunny. Makes sense. It's on brand and it's pink. I love it. And I think this brings up an idea for me, which is this idea of authenticity versus where maybe we think we fall in this, you know, luxury mindset spectrum. How do we remedy that? Because for example, they people wouldn't associate me with champagne, but I want people to think of my business and my products as quality, right? They might think of me more as the seltzer guy, right? Instead of the champagne. That guy. works too. Much healthier. Yeah. Well, how do we <laughs> remedy that though? Right. You know, the authenticity and luxury, if maybe we want to cater to that, but we aren't exactly the, you know, finest of, of uh, materials and that kind of thing. Remember that the visuals are just one part of the senses. So I'm always thinking about what does it smell like, taste like, sound like, look like. So I'm always thinking about the sensory experience as well. And so when you think about, it could be that in the coaching session that you're doing, for example, it could be that you linger a little longer on things that are really important to that person. And that's the brand that you have about being a phenomenal listener. That's much more powerful than being associated with seltzer or champagne. Right. So I think you want to think about really how you're showing up. And if you're showing up for the clients that you love to work with, your authentic self is going to come through 100%. We have this mantra in my team that is, I do what I love with people I love and places I love. If it does not meet those criteria, then I'm very happy to recommend someone else to do that particular role, consulting job or speech. That's a privilege, I understand, to be able to get to a place where you have that. It wasn't always the case. 
But I think when you aren't loving something, it shows up. So if you want to be able to reconcile based on where you are with the mindsets, have a when you look at the research, have a look and see, hey, how does that translate for me? What sort of email signature do I have? Do I have a photo? What's my LinkedIn profile look like? Your LinkedIn profile is one of the most important things you can ever have because it is your personal website. But beyond that, it carries the testimonials of others. It has the things you're commenting on. People get an insight into who you are by looking at your LinkedIn profile. And so you can work with legends like um, Lauren Teague is brilliant on LinkedIn. You know, she can give your whole profile a glow up. But one of the things to think about is all of these things people are watching and noticing when they're not with you. So how does your brand extend beyond that interaction they have with you as an audience member, as a reader of your book, or as a coaching client? But I think the easiest place to start is embrace who you are and where you are in the world, but then find a way to magnify that. Make that something that's unique about you. I hope people rewind and listen to that because I think what comes to mind for me is when people say that like, oh, you clean up well, right? <laughs> you're 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 still your authentic self. You're still you. But like, for example, me wearing a t-shirt and a hat is very normal. I mean, if I'm walking a conference floor, I might dress like that. But the one time I was like, you know what, this time I'm speaking, I'm going to like, I'm going to clean it up a little bit and wore, you know, the blazer and nice. something comfortable. So, And some people are like, oh, I wasn't used to used not seeing you with, <laughs> with like the hat. And they're like, but I like it. There you go. So I think you know, nothing else changed the way I talk to people, the authentic way we connect and my interest in really being of service. None of that changes. You know, I'm not changing the way I speak or whatever. I, I'm being me authentically me, but I can clean up well if I need to. And I think there's a, there's an element that. to that, that all of us can do that to our brand and business. All of us can clean up well and still be authentically us. But remember, honey, people see before they hear. Yeah. They see before they hear. So, you know, you have those first few moments to make an impression on someone, whether it is digitally or in person, right? And so we have to really think about the fact that because if people can see your idea, they can hear your idea. If they can hear your idea, they will share your idea, which is why I'm such a big fan of, I do a lot of uh, contextual models for clients. I love the visuals, right? So that also applies to the way we dress, the way we walk into a room. I walk into every room and I just assume everyone wants to play with me. I always have, but that level of confidence comes with me and also is contagious. So then other people are like, okay, well, then I want to go talk to her. And so, you know, so many people are like, I feel like you're like my best friend. I love that. What a compliment, right? Because that is me just having fun and showing up. So I think the packaging that we put on our body sends a message into the world about how important we thought they were that day. Doesn't mean you have to be super dressed up every time, but it is about paying attention to the detail that the glasses you wear don't have smudges on them, that your hat is clean, that your t-shirt is clean and not all pilly and not all like all of those little tiny things people see before they hear. And what they want to know is what they see is that congruent with what they're going to feel when they work with you. And that has to be aligned. And, and wouldn't we always want to be the person where our friends, if they saw us that one night that we, you know, we were a little more put together, we're like, ooh, don't you always want to be that version of you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. But 
there's days where you just want to put your pajamas on and you just want to be super cozy and comfy. But because I spend a lot of time on planes, it is not uncommon to run into audience members or clients, right? Because, and it could be the red eye. That's not the most glamorous flight to take, but it's the reality of the, the lifestyle that I've chosen. And so it also means I've got to kind of keep it together. Like it, I've got to keep it together. But the only disclaimer I have with this is when I'm at a hotel gym and I'm working out and I'm on client site, I still wear pink, but it's just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like I have my headphones on. I'm like, I just want to do my workout. So, but still on brand. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. You've got to think about, you know, what could you do just to elevate it? That makes you feel really good because sometimes we have those A outfits and when we wear them, we look a million bucks and we feel a million bucks. And then we have those B outfits that we're like fidgeting and it doesn't feel great and we don't feel fabulous. You need to retire the B outfits or save them for home and just wear your A outfits out in public. Yeah. When you can feel your most confident and energized self, I think we're then you you will represent and help more people that way. Absolutely. As we're wrapping up here, I just want to hear just personally, what are you excited about that's coming up for you next? I think professionally what I'm excited about is that the luxury mindsets are going to have their own book. And so that's in the research. And I've been interviewing some phenomenal thought leaders around that, which is very fun, which also includes a trip that I'm doing to Paris. And also I'm spending a week in Champagne. So I intend to sip Champagne in Champagne. And so I'm really excited about that. And I always think of France as kind of the capital of luxury and the experiences from the architects, the artists, you know, to the labels and and the things that are created there. So professionally I'm very excited about where that research is going and just the responses people have had and how it's changed their sales conversations how it's helped them better understand their spouses even which has been really remarkable so I love that and you know personally I think probably I would still add the travel in there I am a person who works to support a travel habit that's it and so I'm always planning my next adventure and I'm most excited about this one coming up. I appreciate that. And I think people, I hope they pay attention because a lot of us out here who are, who are in this thought leadership space and business and whatever else, we have perspectives, we have ideas, we share our thoughts. Not everyone takes that extra step to do the research and to commission mm. research and then to find insights and then tell a story. And you've taken those extra steps to get there. I think that's a huge service. And I think a lot of us should pay attention to that. And then we look forward to the book that's coming out because that means that you really are putting work into and care about what's going to come from the ideas that you're putting forth. So I just, yeah. it's a lot of respect from me, from me to you and I hope from the audience to you as well. And thank you for, for sharing that. that. Yeah, thank you, absolutely. because I think so many thought leaders, they say they're thought leaders, but they're thought repeaters. And all they're doing is regurgitating some dead white guy's book that he wrote a bazillion years ago. Well, they're quoting the old people and no disrespect to people who've gone before us but for you to stay current and relevant as a thought leader it means you have to create your own intellectual property your own frameworks your systems your processes that's what people are paying for they're paying for that beautiful real estate in your brain so don't waste your time and attention and other people's attention by just regurgitating a book report of something that you read now there are some brilliant books on the market leverage them use them sure but if you're truly building a thought leadership practice, it means you need to have a unique perspective and frameworks to support it to serve the clients that you want to serve. I believe research is a piece that will differentiate you from everyone else. There is no other luxury mindset research study in the world 
that we can find. This is the first of its kind. Luxury research is not inexpensive. I totally get that, right? But it is a great investment on carving out something that no one else has. So as a thought leader, think about the experience that's unique to you. Think about the your perspective on things that's unique and share that. Don't just regurgitate everyone else's stuff. What's amazing is when you're the original, then everyone has to refer back to you, which just <laughs> it's true. points more fingers your way. It, websites get it. It's, it's someone who's using something that I've been using for many, like 20 years now. And each time they put it out into the market, everyone refers, oh, like Neen's stuff. Oh, like Neen's contextual models. Like, oh yeah, Neen's, you know. And so it's really, it's fascinating to watch how that works in the world. But also too, if you are going to quote someone else's work, my request would you would be that you would always give attribution. I think that if you are honoring someone else by using their thought leadership, please attribute it to the original source as opposed to taking credit. That's my little PSA for today. Absolutely. And all those links will be, here in the show notes for you guys. So when you want to spout off what you heard today, <laughs> you've got the links. I love it. Well, appreciate you. I think that's our time for today, but we've, I think there's so much there's they're going to take from today. I hope you all have been listening, taking notes and are ready to elevate your brand to the next level. What are you going to be? What are you going to do to step up and move forward? Thanks again, Neen. And everyone else, we'll catch you next time. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to BrandsOnBrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit BrandsOnBrands.com.